Yeah, so we can just jump right in. You fucked up. Let's launch in. I, I fucked up real bad. Real, real bad. Yeah, so uh, as of recording this, our latest release is Peeping Tom. And I would say like over 20 times I called the director by the wrong name after getting his name right the first time. Look, it, it was a prestigious like duo, Powell and Pressburger. And I say that every time, and I never mess up that. But of course, I do call Michael Powell Michael chapman consistently throughout that episode um so i am very sorry michael chapman is like a great legendary director of photography which is where i got mixed up who i think has worked with scorsese which is where the confusion lies because pressburger sorry no i messed it up again powell is an inspiration and mentor to scorsese who worked with him on a raging bull so that's where all this nonsense like began so sorry out there, i cinephiles. get it you know when you're hard for like 90 minutes in a row you don't yeah. have a lot of blood yeah exactly going to your brain oh yeah. totally yeah i mean look my <laughs> i had been looking through the the viewfinder of a camera at a, at a terrified women for so long <laughs> like i just i was all mixed up okay i was a little excited um, it's an easy mistake yeah as is the other one, because we also fucked up well, in another way. We'll get to that one real quick. I did want to mention uh, Robert Blake died. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're both big fans of Lost Highway, and the piece of shit finally died. The wife murderer, uh, who, yeah. if you're planning on killing your wife, at least like think of a better alibi. Oh, That's I, all I, I'm going to say. I couldn't have shot him. I matter. was on my way to grab my gun. It couldn't have been me. Like, uh, insane. You know, hey, look, the person I feel most sorry for is Quentin Tarantino. He's lost a good friend. Um, I, I seriously, like, when I saw that, because uh, he dedicated his book, his recent book, and I think the novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time. Both dedicated to Robert Blake. And I thought it was ironic wow. because he based a character of Cliff Booth off of Robert Blake. And so I thought it was just like a, hey, I'm doing this as like a bit. Like, you inspired this character sure. for me. And so I'm going to be a little ironic. But no, they were genuinely, like, friends. Tarantino, like, set up several, like, repertory screenings of several Robert Blake films with him in attendance. Mm-hmm. Like In Cold Blood. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. It, Dude, In Cold Blood is fucking crazy, too. That's, yeah. Yeah, I need to see it. It's just funny. Like, someone pointed it out how his story is kind of similar to Lost Highway, and that it's about a wife murderer yeah. who, like, doesn't really accept or know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah, very weird. But, so, to get to our fuck-up, uh, pointed out to us by our good Discord friend Clay, Yeah, we were wrong about the Scream franchise. There is a non-Californian entry in that series, which is Scream 2, takes place in Ohio... Yeah. Which I, I didn't remember. You didn't nope. remember either. But thinking about it before we started recording, it does make sense if a serial killer is going to try to kill you in California, where would you move to? Yeah. Ohio. Who would ever think of that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to repeat the joke I said once Clay pointed this out, but it, it explains the scene where Ghostface spills chili spaghetti all over his robes, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And mine was, you know, and Tim- Timothy Oliphant had that whole monologue about Buckeyes. Yeah. They're going to take it this year. That until you yeah. realize. <laughs> right, right. Right before they get shot by by Gale and, uh, and, and, and Sidney. Campbell. Sydney, well, let's, yeah. let's talk about it a little bit, because I went to see Scream 6. I also saw it. I think you it. did as well. Yeah. 
And I think we're both kind of yeah. not really happy with it. I, it's fine. It, it has redeeming qualities. It has two really big redeeming qualities. It's got two set pieces that I thought were fucking great. Um, that were like, hey, this is exactly what... the Something new and different I want to see for this franchise. You have, like... It made me think immediately of the scene in Freddy's Revenge. Uh, the scene in the bodega. Which I thought oh, was sure. great. Because you have, like... I, I don't want to say too much for people who haven't seen it. This is still pretty early on in its release. But, like... um. It, it made me think of Freddy's Revenge, and then there's... It's in the trailer, so I think I can mention it, but there's a scene on the subway that I thought was fantastic, and, um... Yeah. There's a lot to... Okay. There's a I, lot liked, to, I really did like the bodega. Yeah. There's a lot to see in that subway one because, like, uh, it's set at Halloween, and I was shocked to see, like, a bunch of licensed characters in that, in that scene, which was really fun. Um, yeah. It's about the only time in the movie, too, where I thought... The references they make to other horror movies are getting so blasé and, like, basic, you know? It's oh, like, sure. Okay, we're going to reference Friday the 13th. Okay, we're going to reference Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, we're going to say Argento one time, you know? It it honestly felt like, oh, uh, that last one. So, like, when you submit an essay or something, like, that you wrote the night before, like, I feel like that's what Scream 5 was. A little bit. And they were like, oh shit, everyone loved it. I guess I don't actually have to try. <laughs> and so this is what happens with Scream 6. Mm-hmm. Um, I really did enjoy the beginning part. Like, Me too. I think yeah. there's a really good subversion to what we're used to expecting in a Scream movie. And it started going off the hill, or you know, off the tracks... Like immediately after oh, that for and, me, and the ca- um, the cameo, there, there's an an actress that cameos in the beginning. Well, I, I was never... gonna say because I I did know that she was in it. Mm-hmm. I am a big fan of hers, me too. and I don't think I'd ever heard her in her native accent, which I'm assuming that was and your that. heart and just it was melted. Like, oh, I I thought I loved you. No, what happened? Wait, what? No, th- that that accent. Oh man. no. What are you talking oh, no. about? It was, really? It was bad. It her was native bad accent? For me. What you, her native, how can her native accent be bad? It's, that's what she sounds like. Mm. <laughs> mm. All um, right. Well, we got a lot more to I, dive into. I, I will, so I'll say one more thing about Scream 6. Like, a friend of mine mentioned this, too, but he was like, um, he was like, I'm at the point where, like, I get mad at the Scream movies from, again, this idea of what they're referencing. For, he's like, you know, oh, I've seen elves and I've seen... Uh, <laughs> um what was the other one he mentioned um fuck we're just like you got to get deeper and deeper with these references and i had the idea of like ghostface calling and be like what was the name of the dog that donald owned in microwave massacre you know you gotta really stump people you know napoleon it, it's napoleon i have seen that movie ten thousand times yeah <laughs> that'd be a good one yeah mm-hmm. let's jump into it we can talk about that other topic when we give recommendations yeah but uh you're the host this week. Yeah, welcome to The Weekly Podcast Massacre. My name is Greg, and I am your host from uh, Los Angeles, where uh, we currently have a... Uh, we've all been diagnosed with a certain type of fever today. Um, and with me, as always... Hi, I'm Michael from Portland, but everyone calls me Murphy. I have that fever as well, but mm. I'm sure it's like an outbreak yeah. in 
Holly weird. <laughs> oh yeah, it is, man. It, it's it's running rampant. We all got Oscar fever, of course, is what I'm what I'm talking about. All of our our quack doctors in between our uh, our bouts of plastic surgery have diagnosis with Oscar fever. Um, yeah, I, I've watched all the best picture noms now. I've seen them all. I finished up Triangle of Sadness last night. You are even further along than that. You have about I'm, like one, I'm so close. Yeah. I have like. Two hours and twenty minutes worth of content that I need to to get through, mm-hmm. like twenty minutes of a movie and then a two hour documentary, and I'm done. Yeah. I I did it. I found out that there's a whole subreddit for this, which obviously, of course, it's called Oscar Death Race, <laughs> uh, and they actually help me see some of the other ones, like find them online, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, like I this is the first year. I feel like I'm going to try to do it every year from now on. <sighs> brutal. Uh, that is brutal. Because I feel like even in... 54 in, films. Uh, I, I feel like even in my quest to just do the, the what is it, 10 Best Picture noms? <laughs> yeah, 10. Like, it, it took so much time away from me wanting to watch other things I want to watch. Like, my coworker oh, is sure. like, you gotta watch Copenhagen Cowboy. You love it. And I'm like, I, I can't. I gotta watch these fucking Oscar movies. And I gotta watch the Rocky movies because Creed 3, seeing that today. So Yeah. Uh, but I did that. So I watched all the Oscar noms, watched all the, all the Rocky movies. I can finally just focus on the dumb shit we watch for this podcast. That's not true. We watch great stuff for this podcast. Come on. That's what I was saying. Well, yeah, this this yeah. is really good. That's what I was saying, though. It's like, I need, like, a week of half-star movies just yeah. to reset my brain from all the hoity-toity bullshit <laughs> I've had to watch. Hey, well, you know, on the Discord, some of us are going to be watching the Resident Evil movies coming up soon. So you can, you're welcome to dip into That's that. perfect. Into that shit well. Yeah. Um. But I finished up Triangle of Sadness. It is fine. Like, I feel like I, I like where it's coming from a lot. I love how it's shot. And um, the king of shit is is one of the better characters of last year. Him and Woody Harrelson, Woody's like, great. slinging quotes at each other is, like, the best scene for me. Yeah. Uh, I always say you'll never look at a tiny bag of pretzels the same way again. Mm, yeah. That's, uh, that's but fair. I think we, we pretty much gave the same yeah. rating. I was also going to bring up, in my viewing, uh, I think I told you about this, in, like, Tropic Thunder, when Steve Coogan blows up, I was the only one laughing. Right. Because I got the joke. Um, it was the same thing with the grenade, when the grenade got, like, that was great. tossed up. That was very funny. I, like, yeah. I, like, I immediately understood the whole joke of it, and I'm just, like, guffawing you know, the loudest I've ever guffawed. That's the biggest asset the movie has, is that it's genuinely pretty funny. Like, all the way it through, is. there's really good jokes. And uh, one of my favorites is, like, the uh, the rich Swedish guy, Yarm? Yarmo? I forget what his name was. Um, it's something like that. But, like, when he... There's a pivotal scene where he, he attacks something. And then... Um, they're they're celebrating afterwards, and then it was like a really awkward moment between the couple on the island, and just his reaction shot like standing up in front of everybody, like like uncomfortable because like you know nobody I don't remember to say. that. It, it's like it's I a brief like it. it's like a three second yeah. reaction shot of him like after he's he's celebrating the drawing, he's like doing the art critique thing on the wall, and then like oh, okay, and then this couple argument starts, and he's just like like just doesn't know what to do up there. It's great. Um, so I liked it. So final pick, did you? I think you said Fablemans, right, the other week for best pick. I'm giving it everything. Like, it, okay. from what I understood statistically, yeah, there's it just would like be an anomaly no if it yeah. didn't win. 
the anomalies have happened, but like you're right, this That's one true. it'd be crazy if this one didn't. Um, I, I think I mentioned the only other thing I think has a shot is Banshees, because if the if the vote is split enough between everything everywhere and something else and Fablemans, I I think Banshees is in everyone's top three probably. Like of all the vote, most of the voters, you know, right. Um, so that that one it'll just get elevated up because it'll have more votes in the top three positions or whatever. I forget. It's a weird system how that all works. Um, yeah, it's not ranked choice, but it's something close to that. Yeah, I'd put idea. Uh, I, the thing I would put money on for sure is some kind of lame ass joke about the slap. You know. Oh, I, I don't know happen. if in. If you're going to do the ballot that beer set up, but like I, I went through and I included I all of them and then I think there's going to be six references to the slap. Okay. Okay. All right. Sure. Sure. I can see it. And they're all going to be bad. I was revisiting the two bit, the best two moments of the Oscars in the past 10 years, the La La Land false win. Oh, right. And then the slap. And I was reading a comment <laughs> on the, uh, la la land one and someone's like you know uh would have been great if like after because jimmy kimmel who for my money is such an awful choice of the Oscars, he just sucks every year um every time he's on uh if he had he made that steve harvey joke of like oh this is all steve harvey's fault and one of the comments is like would have been great if steve harvey walked into the auditorium and slapped jimmy kimmel for that <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's gonna be it's gonna be a mandela effect in 10 10 years from now like remember the time sure. that like Steve Harvey beat up Chris Rock for talking about yeah. I did see Travolta's gonna present, and mm. so I'm expecting another Adele Dazim moment. That may be one of my favorites. Oh my god, yes, because it's so innocent. Like, right, he messes up, but it's like you know he, he's clearly <laughs> just I don't know. Um. I never I never <laughs> refer to her as anything other but Adele Dazeem, star of Frozen. It's it's a little innocent. People started making claims of like racism and something like that, but also I think he's just flustered and fucking he just, you know Probably wasn't wearing glasses. He started talking right? and couldn't stop himself, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have this problem all the time Abs- on this oh, podcast. I'm like, I, yeah, but... are you kidding me? Yeah. The wickedly talented Yeah. Um all right, let's get into it, man. Let's let's start what, recommendations real quick, I guess. Uh, I'll just give a quick one for, since I've been watching Oscars. I yeah. did not enjoy. I did not think I would enjoy it as much, but I did watch Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Okay, and I had a, I had a good time. I had a good time. <laughs> I love it. I don't think I've even heard it. What is that up for? Uh, best costume design. All right, sweet. It's a mom movie, but again, I watched it hey. like first thing in the morning this week. Yeah, I was like, uh, whatever. I have Nothing to watch with this good Mrs. Mom. Harris. Nothing wrong with a good right. mom but movie. But it, it, like, I, I enjoyed it. I think it's, um, it's got one of the ac- actresses from Phantom Thread in it. Uh, Les, not Leslie Mann, something like that. It's yeah, I know, I know which one you're talking. Leslie something, yeah. Mansville, I think yes. is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was great in Phantom Thread. I also did watch Two Leslie, and I, I didn't think it was that good. Okay, how is how is how so. is Riceboro though? She's fine. Like it's a oh. really good drunk performance. Mm, okay, but not as good as Mrs. Claude Daigle. <laughs> I mean, how can you mash that though? Come on, come on. That's true. Um. All right. So cool. Uh. I then I'm gonna recommend. Uh. I played the Resident Evil Four Chainsaw demo because that's coming up soon. The remake of Resident Evil Four. Fucking loved it. I mean, if you're a video game horror fan, like. 
Resident Evil 4 is probably, like, very important to you as it is to me. And this remake, smooth as hell. Retains a lot of the energy of the original while also making it a little creepier, a little more action-packed. Some fun stuff. There's a whole parry system. You can parry with a knife. And, like, they show in the trailer you can, like, block the chainsaw attacks. But you can also block any melee attack. And when I did it, I was like, all right, I'm just going to mess around. And, like, I'm just going to start. I'm just going to parry as much as I can try to get used to it. And a guy came up, tried to punch me. I raised my knife up, and it sliced his fucking hand off, and it went flying across the screen. And I was like, That's "That is cool. fucking amazing!" And the guy like screamed yeah. and grabbed his stump. Like, oh man, uh, so very. I, uh, I've I've played, but I've never beaten any Resident Evil. Like, I've very minimally played, so oh, I'm, I, I'm intrigued by this one, and I will probably get it to try and beat it yeah so. i mean i, I mean i, I know talk, when it's out sure, uh yeah sure i think in the end of this month um i it, talk about how like you know evil dead is important for me getting the horror but really like even going back further than that playing or watching my brother play resident evil 2 on n64 when i was five years old like is really what got me interested i was what did it I was way too scared to play those until I was in middle school, so I would beg my brother to play them so I could watch him do it, you know. Anyway, uh, let's get to the movie today, because I'm very excited to talk about it. Um, we are in the middle of Maniac March, and if you don't know what Maniac March is, if this is your first episode, every single month on this podcast, we talk about a new theme that we slot a bunch of horror movies into. It could be a, a genre, a type of movie, something that the movie just contains, or like pays lip service to as this one kind of does um but maniac march we were focusing on serial killers uh without a supernatural bent just madmen driven to kill by their psychoses um and so today we are talking about 1999's summer of sam directed by spike lee starring john leguizamo as Vinny, mira sorvino as diana uh we got adrian brody as richie uh what's her what was her name jennifer esposito was ruby as well as like a whole host of other great actors in this mm-hmm. you know one of them that i didn't really put together until this morning isn't the one guy jackie april from soprano yes he is yeah 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 that's yeah. Uh, michael raspoli is joey t um he was the original choice or one of the original choices for tony actually in the sopranos Okay. Yeah, and so like him becoming well, Jackie Aprio was a little bit of like a cons- consolation prize for him, right? I, good, good for him because he is really good in those like couple episodes that he's in. But I mean, he, Gandalf, he, uh, you can't, yeah, yeah. you can't beat, right? Seriously. But so yeah, Summer of Sam. Had you had you seen this before, or is this a first viewing? Much like Serial Mom, I watched this at too young of an age to fully appreciate. Mm-hmm everything about it i there were a few things that like i had remembered and had stuck with me particularly like the disco-ness of it yeah uh the weird stylization that he does for all the berkowitz stuff and then just kind of the general ending of it like um like uh it, it building to like everyone being like richie did it Right, and then them going to to beat him up. Yeah, cool, man. I I, I can't. I think of like a lot of Spike Lee stuff. I mean, I, maybe I'm speaking out of my ass on this, but I feel like uh, he often he has so many movies that when they come out, 
they are just like shat upon and torn apart upon release, especially post do the right thing. Um, like he gets savaged by critics. And then later on, people will kind of reexamine and be like, actually, we were kind of a little like unfair to Spike, like, you know, and uh, this movie's pretty good. I feel like that happened with this one because I was reading a lot of the uh, reactions of the time. And I, I watched an interview he did with Charlie Rose, like around the time this came out. And um, he was getting so much flack for this. Like, people were calling I can him, imagine. People were calling him insensitive to the victim's families, which is insane mm-hmm. because, like, you know, I honestly think this is the right move for a movie like this, but he barely even gets into the victims at all. Um, it's really not about them. So it's like, I don't understand how he's disrespectful to them. You know what I mean? Um, and people were saying that he was racist against Italian-Americans. <sighs> Well, I mean, that kind of, that can go back to even do the right thing, which <laughs> yeah. is an interesting film. Like, I I really enjoyed it. I don't know if I... I didn't think it had, like, the best... I, it's hard. I, I, I think Ozzie Davis's character is, like, the moral high ground of the thing. Right. But the way that movie ends, I felt very conflicted about... I, hey, I mean, that, yeah, that's... About about all the actors choices right but it 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 almost frames it as like is is it mookie is that spike lee's character is that like a different movie that's mookie yeah like it it felt like he's supposed to like have done the right thing and it was like i don't feel like you did well hey that's that's the big that that movie i think spike has talked about it as a litmus test it's like your your judgment of his choices at the end kind of tells you certain biases or certain like um you know things that you just kind of have what your gut reaction is to his actions are are telling and i i feel like most non-black people have that same thought which i i did too first watching it and i'm like why would that why would you do that that's insane and are you wrong for doing this and spike is just like is he though is he and then to hear spike talk about it you're like Hmm, okay, maybe I should re-examine. I haven't rewatched it since I've like had these other thoughts about it. I don't know if I'd feel the same watching it. And again, it's like maybe Spike's argument, like I'm not saying it should influence how you how you view that stuff, but it does make it interesting. Where it's like I, I don't know. I like that because you talk about Ozzy Davis as the moral high ground, but his advice is so vague and so like. You know what I mean? It is a bit more of the, like, yeah, let them walk all over you. Right. But it's, it's, again, it's, it's not black and white. It's very nuanced in, in its approach to, like, how, how a uh, community reacts to situations. Yeah. Which is basically what this whole movie is. Which is, it's so brilliant, the framing device that he uses to tell a Son of Sam story. Right, and uh, in a way that I find just like, like I said, he got that people saying that he was disrespectful to the families, and I'm like, but it's not even about Son of Sam. It's not about him. It's that's why it's called Summer of Sam because it's not about right. him. It's the time period, right? And it's like obviously he's a it's... factor in it, but it's it's not. He's not a main character. He's a driving force for sure, but he is not like the focus of the movie. But it's about the focus of it is about the influence that he has yeah. upon New York and upon this like small community. Right. And and just like and and the idea of just society at large and how we react under a stress test. 
mm-hmm. and that it's usually lashing out whoever's closest to us, not necessarily if they deserve it or not. Yeah. Um, the controversy about the the potential racism towards African Americans is very funny to me because the writer you of mean this Italian movie, Americans? Did I, did I say Italian? You said uh, African Americans. Look, this isn't going to be a moment do, where do you, you want me to play you, back. You're going to do it again, but I I really don't think I did. Like I don't have the mouth feel having said African Americans. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> But hey, look, I'm not going to argue because I've this has bitten him in the ass before. I, I've learned my How lesson. About just I've learned take. my lesson. No, no, hey, leave this in. This is great. Um, the idea that it's racist against Italian Americans is very funny to me because this is written by Michael Imperioli of The Sopranos and mm-hmm. feels like it. It feels like his writing of Italian Americans. Uh, he was also a writer on The Sopranos itself, and in fact, this got him the writing job on The Sopranos. When he was making this, he had already, I think, done the first season of Sopranos. He was originally going to be the director of this, and Spike was just going to executive produce it. Um, Spike had read his script and really liked it, was trying to get that going. But because of the conflicts with the Sopranos, he wasn't able to direct, which is why he just has a minor acting role in this. Well, I say minor, but it's one of the highlights in the movie, actually. Um, He's great in it. You you know, it's funny enough, like, because Spike has a cameo in it, and he is... So wonderful in that cameo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One thing that made me think of, it's, uh, you know how they say, like, well, I get, it's more of a problem thinking about, like, you know, Spielberg directing the color purple. Right. When you're like, should you have directed that? Like, did, were you the right person to tell that story? Amistad. And it's like, someone, right, exactly. Someone could say the same thing about this with Spike Lee, and that it is mainly italian americans and and that but it is also a new yorker story which is what he excels at telling so i don't i don't think there's any like reason you should like poo poo someone of a different ethnicity or nationality like telling a story like sometimes it's always just like finding the thing that you identify with and building it from there because that that's what i kept coming back to in this movie it's about new york it's about these communities, people who think they're New Yorkers, like they like they're at one time, hey, we're all a family. It's like, you know, Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Like, oh, you gotta you wanna you wanna get to him, you have to go through all of us. What you, what but you, also at the same time, yeah, like they'll fucking, you know, spit on someone from the Bronx, like mm-hmm. because of it. So what what you're saying is that uh, Spike should have directed Spider-Man 2. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. Fuck Sam Raimi, come on. <laughs> He's from Michigan, what the fuck Fucking does he know Fucking Midwest boy. Yeah, come on. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, Michael Imperioli wrote this, and uh, it's a fantastic script. It's a very bizarre and funny script. I think that... Oh, um, yeah. Imperioli is a very funny person and funny performer, funny actor and writer, like, uh, and it bleeds through in this. And In fact, the first time I saw this, I... Um, I've been wanting to see it for a long time because I, I, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of another movie that could have slotted into this this month, uh, Zodiac. And I kept seeing that, like, you know, people saying, well, Fincher, maybe not bit off, you know, bit off uh, Spike Lee for this, but was definitely influenced by it. Like, for sure, there's an influence between this and Zodiac. Um, and uh, as uh, same thing with Memories of a Murder, Bong Joon-ho's like sort of you know, obsessive investigative thing of a serial killer in, in Korea too. 
um, that came out a couple years after this. It is, uh, just coming back to it, it is interesting to, to just take the serial killer or the crimes and just, but just showing, like, the effect that it has on right. people. As opposed because, to, like, being about the killer itself, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Because a lot of this whole Berkowitz, Son of Sam stuff was just the insanity that it caused mm-hmm. in New York. The same thing with Zodiac in, you know, southern, or I guess mid, middle California. Uh, you know, central the, the Bay California. Area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and uh, that one too, I think, it's just the idea of, I, I don't want to... I, I'm not going to go too far into this, but I also think there, there's a possible influence on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. Talking about Manson, but having Manson be such an ancillary character and more being about the time period around it, right? That that summer of 69, as opposed to like those particular people in in that time. Yeah. And the use of music to me too, really like uh, feels like a Tarantino esque thing or even like scorsese the way they use music and the soundtrack to this is fucking excellent that was that was really what bumped it up on my first watch of this i gave it four stars and then on my second watch i gave it four and a half really because i was just feeling the the impact of the music in it and not just like the songs they pick but the score is fucking awesome i love the score to this um He, he gives such a good vibe for the 70s like that's my favorite time period is yeah. that like mid to late seventies? Uh, I think the music was the best then, like minus some of the disco. But I do like ABBA, like you know that kind of um, you know early Bruce Springsteen oh, type yeah, of yeah. thing. Like I'm all into, and so I really love. I love just all the fashion. Uh, <laughs> 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 minus maybe Adrian Brody's fashion in this movie. Oh my god! But it. It fits. It fits because you've met people that are like that. Yeah, the, the first first time I saw this, I uh, counted all of the Adrian Brody stuff as a negative. But this time I'm like, nope, that was perfect casting. Like, uh, it actually really, really works. And, um, like, the character is meant to be annoying in a sense, you know. He's a poser. Yeah, That's exactly. what it is, Yeah. Uh, I want to say, too, the music is by Terrence Blanchard. He did the original score for this, which I really love. He's a um, a Spike regular. He's worked on a ton of his movies. Uh, so we can start getting into, like, the beat-by-beats of it a little bit. We're not going to go for everything. It's just two and a half hours. That's the other thing it shares with both Memories of a Murder and Zodiac, because it's a lengthy, lengthy movie. So we, we start with a real-life segment, as Spike is, uh, uh, will do sometimes, he likes to use real people and show real footage, like, duck, you know, non-narrative uh, stuff. So we start with the writer Jimmy Breslin, um, who is an, a reporter that writes about New York. Uh, I don't know if he's still alive today. I didn't look into that. But he was, uh, in the 1970s, the recipient of several Son of Sam letters. Sam uh, David Berkowitz was writing to him in particular. And uh, in that interview with uh, Charlie Rose, Spike was talking about how Rupert Murdoch in, um, I forget, is it, I forget which newspaper he owns in New York, the New York Post, maybe, but maybe. Um, the New York Post is one of the newspapers that like was really tearing into Spike Lee from making this movie. And they interviewed David Berkowitz about the movie and it got like a front page thing on the new york post about how berkowitz thought the movie was insensitive 
and like that Spike Lee needed like did it you know shouldn't have made the movie and stuff like that. And Spike is pissed during this Charlie Rose interview, being like, "Who gives a shit what he thinks about this movie? Like he murdered you exactly. know, was like seven eight people, and it's like, why do we care what he thinks? It's not even about him." Like that's what Spike was saying. It's like he's yeah, yeah, sure, a character's in it, but we're not doing making this about you. Your opinion doesn't matter on this. Why do I give a fuck about what you, you think? And then like Berkowitz right. had some kind of quote about like, oh, I hope Spike thinks of his wife so and so and his children and names their names, and they let that line stay there in 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 the article. And Spike is just like, what? Why does that need to be in, in there? Why do I need to know that David Berkowitz knows the name of my family? Like, he's like, I don't want to think about that. And that, there it is in the yeah. news for everybody to read. And then he's talking about how, like, um, when Berkowitz sent the letters to Jimmy Breslin and the paper that he worked for, uh, Rupert Murdoch was vocally upset that he didn't receive any letters from Son of Sam because it increased <laughs> the publicity that the paper got. And people were buying more copies because they're printing oh, the Son man. of Sam letters. Yeah. So he's well, like, yeah. So he's like, what? What? Why does he have to attack me for making this movie? You know. Well, um, something that hasn't changed in twenty four, twenty five years. Fuck Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, seriously. What a piece of shit. I mean, I, I, not as bad for as Robert Blake, but I do keep a bottle of champagne in my fridge <laughs> for when like notoriously horrible people pass away it's basically been in there for henry kissinger but i'm like hey, god damn when am i hey, gonna get to use this rupert it, murdoch is get one it that ready will definitely get definitely it ready deserve a bottle of champagne uh mitch mcconnell taking that fall the other day get it ready i i got like 300 upvotes <laughs> just saying like i have a bottle of champagne in my fridge i've been dying to use <laughs> i love that i'd say i gotta start doing the same thing um so he says he says that hey you know there's eight million stories in New York City and this is one of them. He describes how it was one of the hottest summers ever on record, um, and people were being terrorized by a madman. Uh, he also says it's a city he loves and hates equally, which I love that line. Um, so As a former resident of New York, I definitely understand. I was going to say that. yeah. So you went to you went to film school in New York, right? That is where I went for it was a year program, and so I was there for like ten months. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's it's great. I love that city. It's very fast paced. Uh, right. I I think I love Portland more now just because it's more my speed. But I I mean it's great to be able to walk anywhere. Really, the the transit is always really nice. You know, I I definitely enjoyed the city. I nice. I miss it sometimes, but I love my small city. Yeah. Smaller. I, I get you. <laughs> I get you, man. I uh, I do I, I do. I've never been in New York. I got to experience it at some point. I did ride a metro train, a subway, to go see Scream Six. So okay, I had a little, you know, a little fraction of the taste of what it might be like. Tangential experience, sure, sure. Yeah, there there are certain uh, places you can get to in, with public transit in LA. Not many, but you know, there's some. The scene I was I just paused on Bardo as him on a subway in LA. In, yeah, in LA. Um, I did, I want to talk about it real quick because I, as I was looking it up, uh, Berkowitz, it's weird that they, they say like a higher victim level, but he really only killed like six people. Right. And then injured like 11, I believe is what it was. Um, and reading it again, because I had remembered from, you know, my 
getting into serial killers and reading all about them. Um, he was crazy, but then it was a, at some point was like, yeah, I, it was, I wasn't crazy. I, I was just saying this. And then at some point, even again, was like, no, I was part of a, like, satanic cult. And it wasn't just me. So, there was multiple people. Yeah, the sons of right. Sam. Which really make no sense when you, like, um, look at the letters all clearly being written by one person. And, like... Another thing I wanted to bring up real quick. Yeah. Uh, comparing, the, since we've already brought up Zodiac, Berkowitz is such a better poet than Zodiac Killer. He, so, Berkowitz is kind of a good writer, right? I mean, like... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's bizarre yeah the zodiac comes off as far more unhinged um but there there is there there is still that in Berk Berkowitz is weirdly self-aware which i think is is kind of important to this story too um this idea of being fully aware of your contradictions and fully aware of like your impulses and your negative impulses but still not being able to resist it right and um, I think that's very important for a lot of things in he in this movie, for a lot of the other stories that is are being told. So we we start yeah. with Berkowitz as soon as we flash back to seventy seven. He's in his underwear in his apartment, banging his head against the wall on the floor, yelling about the dog barking outside. The dog is Sam, and he was owned by his his neighbor. And um, supposedly, when he was caught, Berkowitz claimed that the dog was speaking to him and telling him to kill. He later admitted to lying about this completely, and it was an attempt to uh, get an insanity plea. Right. I do like that we do see a, a moment in the movie with the dog talking. Oh my god! It's we'll not get the to best that. effect, but it's like it's pretty funny. It's not the best effect, but it has the best effect. You know. Uh, <laughs> sure. It's unsettling still. <laughs> yes, uh, and hilarious. And the person voicing the dog could not have been a better choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we see a bunch of satanic imagery. His apartment is all gross. We see Son of Sam spelled out in blocks. I don't think I really understand the blocks part of this. That, that Maybe it's just like, a, you know, uh, typical horror imagery, childlike stuff, you know. is Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is it trying to show that it, emotionally that he's a child? He's yeah. still an adolescent in, like, the way that it matters, like, connecting with human beings um, they don't even really get into the motive in this movie, but it was like an ex-girlfriend, right? If I remember I, yeah. correctly. I mean, it's it's clearly because, motivated by, like, psychosexual impotence. Right. Right? A, yeah. a woman denied him, and so now I have to go and kill everyone with short brown hair. Right. I, I think he, he's, he mentioned, he's, he said before he particularly just loved the stalking part of it. He would see a woman that he got interested in and would follow, and just really enjoyed that part of it. He loved the driving around, looking for people part, and so uh, yeah. And then he would just kind of get like the 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 feeling and the urge and the need to do it. I think before he ever shot anybody, he was following people around like all the time. Um, yeah, he just got really into that. So I think uh, he was a mailman. Stalker... He was a mailman, I believe. And right, so like right. he just had he was already out and about on the street anyways, and would see people all the time. Yeah. That's why I don't trust him. It's also why there's a subplot in Seinfeld about Newman having Berkowitz's mailbag, which is very funny. <laughs> um, so we we get into the great music right away. We start with Fernando during the first shooting love scene. Love it. So good. Love it. Great song. I love the way Spike there shoots all these scenes. There was something in the air that night. Oh, 
we the mood t- was right. If we're talking about Fernando, the song choices for these scenes could not be better. The lyrics are mm-hmm. always like just fucking. They're they're they nail it every time. Um, so I love the way Spike shoots it. It's always down low with his boots. It's a very classic sort of like slasher way of shooting him, and it makes me think of the Maniac poster, the heavy boots with the jeans, you know. Yeah, um, and just the the stockiness of the actor playing Berkowitz. Uh, really, really works. Um, so he walks up and he he shoots two people in this car. Right, first thing with Fernando playing the entire time too. You're still hearing the dog barking in the background, which for most of the Berkowitz scenes you hear the dog, which is a great choice. Mm-hmm. Um, very bloody. I I forgot how intense the violence is in this. Like it really pops, and the sound design on the gun too is really powerful. So, like, uh, he really gives you the impact of these scenes. I will say, maybe this may not be much of a horror movie, but the way Spike shoots these scenes, I really wish that Spike would do a straight horror movie at some some time because, like, he's good at it. He has the the instincts for it, clearly. It would be interesting to see him and Jordan Peele collaborate. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. I would love that. Like, I was thinking, oh, maybe Jordan Peele should write and Spike direct. But I do enjoy Peele's direction. Yeah, but, I love I love Peel's you know, direction. Maybe just Spike as executive producer because Sp- there are so many like amazing shots in this movie. There's an early one uh, that's just like a really nice crane shot where we like go over and we see the pool and then we kind of yeah, go yeah. up and we see the little corner that they hang out on or like the okay. dead end street. Talking about awesome shots, but this one right here as we introduce uh, John Guizamo and uh, Mira Sorvino. Johnny um, Legs. So this is a, this has a couple of years after Boogie Nights, right? Um, but this is a, a scene I imagine may have been partially inspired by it, and is playing a song called Boogie Nights while it's while it's happening. Uh, love Johnny Legs. Great look in this. He's a uh, Hispanic actor playing a Italian American. Yeah, but yep. whatever. Not his. Not his first time doing it either exactly yes and uh in the charlie rose interview spike was just like well was cleopatra like elizabeth taylor's skin color <laughs> like that was his kind of response to that like was charlton heston a mexican and touch of evil like you, you know he's like i feel like this one he's like on the scale this one's not this is not so crazy or something <laughs> this, like that. this is yeah. not as offenses offensive as we've seen in the <laughs> past so yeah give me a fucking break but uh it's all one take as they drive up to the club and boogie nights is playing and then the way it yes swoops around leguizamo because we're mm-hmm. following him walking up to the club and then it goes around him and enters first as he comes in um and we can introduce some other characters i only really clock i was going through MDB and uh, the only one that stood out to me and Joey's crew aside from Joey himself is Brian, which is Ken Garrido. I don't know if the other guy even gets named. Yeah, I'm sure he does, but probably quickly. But yeah, I mean, they're almost inconsequential. They're just right, but there. I think Brian of of the two kind of like goons in Joey's right. crew. Brian is more there's important. There's that, one. and then there's like the junkie. Because no, it's Woodstock. all four of yeah. them. That's Woodstock. When they're sitting at the pizza place talking about yeah. when they're making the list, you know, and then and then later and then later it's Bobby Del Fiore who kind of gets inducted into it a little bit, or like at least like groups up with them. Yeah. Um, a, a great character. I love, love that him. it also is just like explicitly like Yeah. A, yes, her. I, I said character, but yes, yeah. her. No, I said um, him, but then I said yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that you know the 
of all the bullshit we're going through right now, it's like these people were more accepted in like th- these times. Like we didn't well, necessarily like give the biggest shit about it. It is they a, did get beat uh, up. I don't know. It's a crazy. That's one of my favorite parts of this movie is the complications around that character because like yeah, we, we see well, we see them get at assaulted. One point when they get beat up. Yeah, and they're like only we can beat them up. Okay, right. Or then uh, there's a line later on that I thought was so great too. But we'll we'll get there because we're still in, in the club. They're dancing to a song. I don't know if the lyrics of this are being ironic or if they are um, like talking about racism themselves. But did you catch the lyrics of the song that they're dancing to? No. There's straight up lines about like no blacks, no Jews, and no gays. And I don't oh, know. I, I don't. I do remember that. Yeah. I don't know if the song is about that and how that's fucked up. Or is it being ironic? Or is it commenting on it? But it feels very telling. You don't. I don't think you see any of those in that club. Well, it's probably gays, and we just don't know. But like, um, I think it's a very deliberate song choice for that. Uh, I love the moment, very Spike Lee, where everybody else fades away except for um, yes, like Osamo and Servino dancing. It reminded me of the club scene in Black Klansman, which is one of my favorite scenes of that year. I thought that was fucking an incredible scene. Um, of just like the people dancing in the club and like spike to me is a very very humanist director um and i feel like something he loves doing to humanize people is to just show them celebrating with music and just like there's a focus on like the human body that he does sometimes like there's like great scene in um do the right thing when mookie is with his girlfriend in the apartment and he's like got the ice that he's rubbing on her uh, yes, I did really enjoy that scene, and then yeah. I read that Rosie Perez was not uh, really into that, and that Spike kind of was forcing some things on her. Yeah, I another problem that I have with that movie. But there's there's a mirror something moment in this one too that where it's a kind of a similar story. You know. Yeah, but it is uh, like it's very beautiful. Like it's a great shot. I love again. He's very good at stylizing everything. Yeah. I think his especially editing... I think in this one the Berkowitz stuff. Yeah. I think but then his, you are his, right. Uh... Like there are the just like people disappear. Right. His editing choices and his or I get his editor's choices I should say are fantastic. Um, yeah. So it's like that. Anyway, he just has a focus on like the human body. That to me that just like it transcends his stuff talking about race and things like that. He just has a way of shooting people. Sometimes I think it's just wonderful. Um, so they're dancing, and then they're at the bar. Uh, Diana, who is Mira Savina's character, her cousin is in town, her cousin from Italy. All the guys are hitting on her, of course, right? And um, we, it, <laughs> Johnny Legs is like, eh, you know, I'm not feeling well. I'm, I'm going to take your cousin home. Basically a hard cut to some butt-fucking in his car. Uh, sorry yeah. for... But it, it's I, I'm about as crass as the movie is right here. Um so they're parked on the side on a side street, having sex in his car, and somebody else pulls up behind him, honks. I love that we get a silhouette of Berkowitz watching all this in the trees. Yeah, very creepy, very very creepy. As um, Johnny like gets out of the car without pantsless. pants on and then goes yes. to the, yeah, exactly. the driver's seat. So he drops off the cousin and gets out of there. Berkowitz approaches the other couple, the guys inside, being like, "Hey, can I see you tomorrow?" Very sweet moment between them before. Berkowitz takes him out like and again it's very blam, bloody blam. yeah um he also leaves a note for the police uh so then uh 
they go back to the club. I love the, the, the Mira Savino. She's fucking fantastic in this. I, truly great. Truly, truly great. She's I love- so good at like this almost reserved. Like she, there's something like she's hiding behind it. Yeah. And it, it's slowly starting to come out throughout it. Uh, I do love that she asked him to get her a sandwich. She wants yes. a BLT, mustard, not mayo. Mm-hmm. He forgets because he was more focused on something else. Um, right. And then I love the scene where he's like, do you want to dance more? And she's like, no, I just want to go. And she's like, you know, um, she's I like, want what's breakfast? She's like, let's, she's like, let's dance as I as we leave and you can follow me out or something like that. And she just kind of starts yeah. like shimmying as she walks away, which I like that moment a lot. It's very charming. On the way home, she kisses him in the car and clearly tastes something on his mouth. We find out later. She can smell it in the air as well. (laughs) Something in the air that night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he drives past the the place where he dropped off the cousin. They see the crime scene that has been set up around it. And he stops to go investigate. Uh, Very interesting editing choice again. Where he goes up to the car. I love, again, the score here by uh, Terrence Blanchard is fucking great. Um, but he reaches into the car to, like, touch the bodies. And then it cuts to a different shot of him. And he's, like, five feet away. And then it cuts yeah. back to him reaching into the car. And I think it's just to show he's mentally, like, fucked up right there. He's right? in there. Right. Yes. Yeah. But it's unclear whether he's actually reaching into it or not. I think he is. I don't know. Um it's kind of strange, but the police chase then, him off. Yeah, we get the great. Uh, I think it's Anthony Lapaglia. Yes, that's it is. How yeah, his, what mm-hmm. his name is? Lapaglia, detective. He's really good. Yeah, he's he's but, really good, and he's with uh, Roger Gwenviewer Smith. I don't know how you say his name as detective. Yeah. I just Kurt I want to jump real quickly to another big Italian that we got in this movie. Oh hey, fucking Ben Gazzara is in this movie. Hey, we gotta catch this guy. Yeah, he's so good. Oh, God, it's so good. The the scene where it's like in the blackout. Yeah, and yeah. it's some guy with a flashlight just in uh-huh. Ben Gazzara's face. With like and with he's can- some candles around lit too. The city is so good. Like it is, it is transcendently amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I love this movie so much. There's so many good choices. It is long. But like, man, like that is fire. That's the thing. I mean, I, I was I was trying to think like, if I were to shorten this, what would I even cut out? And it's tough because there's like great stuff. So there's so much good stuff, right? There. Like you could trim right. things here and there, but it's like, but then you lose this little performance or you lose this line in this moment, and you're like, but I don't, I don't, I don't want that stuff to go. It would be hard. I agree. Yeah, but like, it, there are times where it's like, all right, we're stretching this out a little bit more than right. it needs to be. Uh, so. This is where we get introduced to Richie and his. I was gonna say tidy whities, so I guess they're more tidy blueies. I don't know, um, but he's got like Adrian's packing Liberty spikes. I think is what they're called. That hairstyle. Yeah, um, it looks ridiculous. Uh, okay, he's packing Johnny legs later. He's also packing. Should call him Johnny Third Legs because, like, <laughs> damn. Um, yeah. So. Uh, Richie is waking up. He goes downstairs and he we, he meets we meets with his mother, uh, played by Patty Lapone, and then uh, his father in law Mike Starr, best known as the angry studio exec from Ed Wood. Um, uh, who's, he's also great in this. Not father in law. Right? I said stepfather. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay, God, okay. no, 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 no. I, I swear to Christ, I said stepfather this time. Okay, all right, sure. We'll see. I'll see in the edit. Confidently I'll incorrect. See, I'll see in the edit. Let's do it. I'll see in the edit. If I, if I, if I stop down every single time, <laughs> there was a misspeak on this podcast. Um. Anyway. Uh, I love the dead end sign at the end of the neighborhood. They cut to it a lot. And on the back of it, there is also derogatory graffiti about Ruby. About Ruby. Uh, yeah. Um, great line when um, uh, Legozamo is, is there and he's he's buying lewds from Joey T. And it's like, ah, you know, give me more. And he's like, how do I? He's like, they're talking about how terrible he looks. And he's like, you look like a pizza mozzarella. You look like a piece of mozzarella. Mozzarella. Yeah. 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 So yeah, Joey's selling drugs. Uh, Adrian Brody comes up to buy some. Uh, this is where we meet, uh, yeah, Saverio, Saverio Guerra as Woodstock, who's the neighborhood junkie. They give him shit. And he's like, oh, I'm going cold turkey, but like he's trying to sell them. He's trying lobsters. to sell them lobsters, yeah, yeah, that are like broken and tiny. We get the he's great like, line: five, five bucks for the whole bag. Yeah, the great line: Get the fuck out of here with your half dead broke lobsters. Um, Richie is speaking in a British accent, and he's wearing a Union Jack half tee. It's a really fucking crazy choice. He's been gone for some time, and you think at first he's been to Britain, which is why he's like this. But then when, no, when Ruby comes by, Ruby comes by and it's like, oh, you've been to Britain? He's like, well, no, but it's all about the attitude. Um, attitude. It's so fucking funny. Uh, but Jennifer Esposito is Ruby. She's also great. She's into him right away, though. You get the sense that like she's the neighborhood like whore to everybody, but even the, the neighborhood bicycle, right? As they but refer. but in her first scene, <laughs> the guy she's with, she's like, "Hey, like I want to meet your parents, like, right?" You know, she's like, "I would, yeah, I want to get legit with this," and the guy's like, "Oh no, I got to get to the to the Catskills, you know, whatever." Or I got I got a room in the Catskills. Let's just do that, right? And so she's clearly being used she wants by guys more, yeah but she's very sex positive positive and right. will like give it up more easily and so that she gets taken advantage of exactly yeah and but to the, the course, point where to everybody later on right but later on when she's with brody like she's trying to use her sexuality mm-hmm. to like entice him or like capture him and he's just like no you don't you don't have to do that you don't have to leave either. I just like I enjoy your company. He he's also maybe dealing with some <laughs> different things Repressed too. Repressed sexuality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I really like her. She's a she's a great character and a good actor. So, um, uh, but basically, she uh, she learns that he's being moved into his parents' garage. That's later on, actually. Um, but. Uh, uh, hey, we're we're gonna have to speed up because I just noticed how long we've been talking. Right, already. you're you're going scene by scene when we kind of like just encompassing. Yeah. So Richie and uh, Richie and uh, uh, Vinny are are really good friends, but they haven't seen each other in a while. They're both going through different things. There's a great speech by Richie where uh, or Vinny where he's telling Richie about his cheating and how seeing the bodies was kind of a wake up call. I love this scene because. He keeps saying it's a message from God, right? That there's signs from right. God going on. This is a sin. That's a sin. You can't have doggy-style sex with your wife because it's no, a you, sin. No, you can't fuck her in the ass. That's can't basically fu- what there's, it's coming down there's to. There's multiple things, though. Because he yes, says, like... It's, it's... <laughs> it's, he, says, uh, he says, you know, he says, fuck, ass-fucking, 69, doggy-style. 
And then right. Richie's like, well, do that. Somebody tell her you like that and want to do it with her. And he's like, no, you can't do it with your wife. It's a sin. You can't do that with your wife. Right. Uh, it, it, even later on when she's like going down, Mira Servino's going down on him. He like is, oh, I'm into it. And then it's like totally fucks with him. He's like, no, no, let's just do it regularly. Yes. Like we always do. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I like that scene because uh, a lot of the Richie and Vinny stuff, you get these lines that just really encompass the whole movie for me. Or just like these ideas or concepts. And so this idea that he's, I mean, it's like Son of Sam. He's getting messages, right, from a higher power about yeah. what he can and can't do in life. And he's basing his decisions off off this weird, these weird ideas that are like reinforcing these weird, this, these beliefs of his um, and these you, actions. You want to be told something. So yeah. you're looking everywhere for a message about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also, we go to the restaurant where Mir Savino works and it's a well, favorite hangout, hangout spot of, uh, Luigi, local mob boss, but Ben Gonzara. Uh, excuse me. He's not a mob boss. He's a plumber. Hey, I'm Thank just a plumber much. named Luigi. Okay. Hey, Mario. <laughs> literally in a scene within two minutes, you have yeah. Mario and Luigi and a plumber, one, one of who is a plumber. Yeah. I love when he says to Anthony LaPaccia, like, you could have been a great plumber. Yeah, exactly. You could have been a great plumber. Hey, I just inherited a mansion. Oh. I gotta clear. I gotta vacuum these ghosts out of here. Uh, it's great. Um, you do such a good Gazera. Oh, thank it's you. Amazing. <laughs> thank you. Um. So yes. Uh. This is where uh Anthony Paglia shows up with uh Detective Atwater, and um basically uh Detective Petro- uh Petrocelli, who is Lupaglia's character, he used to work for Gazara, so he's coming to him to ask for their help in locating Son of Sam. And he reads him the letter. Great, more wonderful stylization as they read it because we cut to uh, Son of Sam narrating it. Uh, who played him? I don't think I even wrote down the actor's name. Um, I have seen him in other things. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. He doesn't, really, he doesn't really look like Berkowitz that much. They have completely different faces. You know, he's a little chubby. Yeah, it's not it's not in the face. Uh, did you ever watch Mindhunter? Oh yeah, I love Mindhunter. That actor is fucking one to one. It's scary. Yeah, the guy who they got for Ber- like yeah. Berkowitz was really good. The, he was great. the makeup is a little like almost off putting, but it's a very good chilling performance. When you look at side by side photos, you're like, it's, it's it's fucking scary how accurate it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Badalucco is who plays uh, Berkowitz. Um. Yours and murder, Mr. Monster, is how he signs off. So uh, we hear all this, and then, of course, like, Luigi's like, Jesus fucking Christ, like, I, we gotta help him. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh, I like, I think this is the first mention of Willie Mays mm-hmm. in in the, the thing. And well, it's Mickey also, Mantle, uh, yeah. Yeah, they talk Mickey Mantle, but, oh, I was thinking it's the other one. It's um, Reggie Jackson. Right. It's the one that keeps getting mentioned it's again, later on. And, again and, again. and then we we get and a lot it, of Reggie yeah. Jackson stuff, which is great. I love that. That that stuff's fantastic. Um but I yeah, that highlights to me oh, there's a lot of baseball talk. And the, the other thing this movie is really about is tribalism. Just like these idea of these little differences that we draw between each other. Everybody in here is a New Yorker, right? Every character we see, they're all New Yorkers. Even more specifically, they're all uh Brooklynites. And uh Within that, there's still divisions. 
right? I mean, on the grander sense, they're all Americans. But, of course, you have the racial divisions, which are lightly touched upon in this, but, like, they're there. But even bigger than that, we have the baseball divisions, even within the same team. Because as they're talking about Mickey Mantle, Detective Atwater says, fuck Mickey Mantle, it's all about Willie Mays. And then it cuts to a baseball card of the two of them standing together, arms around each other. It's like, you guys, they're on the same team. Why are we still drawing lines here? Can't you just be a fan of both of them? But it's because one and is a ta- one is white and one is black. You right. know, yeah. They, I think they also get into it later as well. Of like, well, one Berkowitz was not from the city, right? So usually, you know, these like New Yorkers they think of themselves like, oh, I'm from the city, but he was from Yonkers, which is just a yeah. little bit above New York. But they also have the scene where it's uh, the stepfather uh, mm-hmm. says, like, when the news is on the TV, he's like, huh, I would have thought he was from the Bronx. That's his first, that's his first thought, yeah. Yeah. Um, last thing, am I, was I, I was saying, I said Brooklynites, but they're all from the Bronx, right? That's where this is the second place. I think, uh... I'm not a New I'm not sure about I don't that. Know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. The five boroughs, you know. Um <laughs> the letter to it's i think this is the one that starts with like hello from the gutters of new york city right yeah um, that's why i was like oh fucking poetic berkowitz yeah i clearly an inspiration for uh rorschach in the watchman um which is very telling about that character too uh so yes uh, this is where we have <laughs> uh Vinny, or uh richie gets told he's gonna move into the garage uh, we get introduced to Bobby uh, Del Fiore, who is a, a feminine member. Yes, uh, right. Because right away she, she she says, "Hey, that's Mrs. Del Fiore to you." Um, mm-hmm. Of course, they all call him him and have a much worse nickname for him, for her. Sorry, for them. I'll just say. Uh, but yes, a really upsetting moment. They they burn they burned them with this with a cigarette. And then Joey T has the great line of, hey, he's a paying customer. Right. Right. Which right. is like, capitalism is blind. We're going to take money from, from anybody. Yeah. True. I mean, I think, like, <laughs> and they don't realize that. Like, all the, the Disney, like, Florida stuff going on is like, see, this is what happens when you placate with fascists. Eventually, yeah. they'll, like, turn on you. Yeah. Uh, but their introduction is phenomenal. It's it's a a shot of them like on a dolly and as they're like walking like it's it's so smooth it's it's the moving closer it's the spike lee shot yeah i think it's in literally all of his movies i don't know uh about that but um but yes great and a great actor uh playing bobby um i wrote their name down that is brian tarantina uh so this is also where we we learn that Joey T is a father. He's divorced. This is another interesting dichotomy going from one with selling drugs and you know uh, berating all his men to just being like, "Hey, my little girl," you know, just like these. Oh, you're scaring her. Different parts of people's personalities that uh, Spike is so interested in this. So th- we see Vinny at his job. Uh, this is where. Uh, Richie comes in and, and kind of meets Ruby as she's being, or they, they he kind of like, they they make plans together. She's getting her hair dyed blonde. Everybody yeah, in the city is say. scared of Sam Sam. All these brunette women are getting their hair dyed. Real phenomenon. Are you not even going to mention 
that yeah. Vinny is a hairdresser, mm-hmm. which is like an an odd career usually right. for for men. But it is also like he's such a playboy yeah. that it's a good way for him to meet women. Exactly. And to have control over them. All the things, you're talking about all the things that's influenced. I wonder if Adam Sandler was influenced uh, for Domestic the Zohan. Because similar thing there, right? Is He's also a hairdresser in that. Could be. And fucks all his old lady clients. <laughs> what, a, what a good movie. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I saw an interview that uh, Johnny Legs did about this, too. And he was living in New York during the summer of 77. Talked about having family members that dyed their hair blonde because of Son of Sam. Um, we see that, yeah, Ruby tries to go down on Richie in the in the garage, but he turns her away, but says she doesn't have to leave. Uh, we then see Vinny going right back to cheating with his boss, Gloria. Uh, he's feeling he guilty about it, about it, but ultimately yeah. does it, right? We then, shortly after this, we meet Midnight, played by Michael Imperioli. Because phenomenal, uh, Richie decides to take Ruby to his side job of how he's making money. Whole argument about like during a club, we don't we don't reveal exactly what it is yet. But like Richie's like, hey, you know, give me let me do one show, and he's like, hey, get at the fuck out of here, one show. Like the his his style, he's got a black cowboy hat with like rivets on it. He's like got a, like a long cigarette, and like he's amazing in this. Um. One of my one of the best characters in the movie. So uh, Richie is a gay stripper, and um, or is a male stripper. Well, I not say. just a stripper. Uh, pulling tricks on the side. Yes, yep. uh, we see a yep. very creepy guy in the audience who excitedly like goes up some stairs to meet with um, Adrian Brody in a room. I totally expected Udo Kier to be in the audience. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> oh, that would have been fantastic. I love the shot of Ruby's face, kind of like perplexed but interested as like uh as Richie is dancing on stage. And pretty crazy that Richie is able to open up to her about this because it's wild. Um Midnight has some of the best lines in the movie here. He's got a pretty cock. Nice size. You're a lucky girl. And then he's talking about mm-hmm. how hot she is. You're so hot, you make me wish I was a lesbian. Um, yeah, I wrote that in that one. That was great. Amazing. Uh, so this is where uh, Ruby's like, "Hey, I need some money because I want to ditch this disco style." I, I love that. I love yeah. that that she's like, "All right, well, she gets dressed up to go out, right?" And he takes her here, mm-hmm. and then she's like, "Oh, maybe I want to change uh, my whole to do." Yeah, for but you. that's that's where we see them kiss for the first time. Um, yeah, there's uh, we get more of the manhunt as another letter is being read by Son of Sam. He calls himself the Duke of Death, the uh, Wicked King Wicker. Uh, we can see a beautiful shot of the cops on horseback riding them in the street. Uh, just love that little little bit. Vinny can't sleep thinking about the son of Sam. He gets up and just yells at his window, like, you know, come fuck with me. Like, you know, come at me. Because yeah. he's, he's, he's scared that Berkowitz saw him before that murder and that he's yeah, being that's, followed. Yeah, that's part yeah. of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the two guys are, like, fucking with him. Yeah. And being like, oh, he's probably going to come for you. Yes. This is where, so Mia Servina tries to calm him down and have sex with him. And the sex scenes in this movie are fucking hilarious. Uh, this How about is, instead of making love, we fuck this time? Yes. And then and then he proceeds to just, like, enter her. And the way they're flopping around in the bed is so fucking funny. 
but it's also like weirdly real. I don't know. And it lasts all of 30 seconds. Then he's just right. like, ah, good night, baby. Sleep well. And like rolls You expect over. it to be like serial mom where he's like, they're like jumping <laughs> on the bed practically. It is about that level. Like it's, it's just underneath that. Yeah. Um, so I she's like clearly right not after satisfied. That. Yeah. Yeah, not yeah, not at all. It's like right after that we start getting the Spike Lee cameos with yes, him as a reporter, uh, John Jeffries, interviewing yeah. people. Uh, I do love that at one point, uh, Berkowitz kills someone in like a black neighborhood, and then he's interviewing them, and all the black people are oh like, my god, oh, why are you even here? Some of the best lines there too. Yeah, uh, but yes, as he's giving his his interview is with um, like a psych like a psych profiler. Who I think is the guy from the thing. No, he's a cop. He's not a psych profiler, but he's the guy from but the he, thing. Yeah, he is in the thing, right? Right. Like, gets like the right. guy. Yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. one with the weird, crazy hands. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That they burn. Fu- yeah. Right. Fuchs is his character name in the things. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, but he's saying like, "Hey, we've had a list. We've always had a list." But he's giving like a lowdown on the type of person that might be. Uh, son of Sam and Ben Gazzara is watching us being like eh come on that can't be it it's like you know we gotta find this guy ourselves yeah uh Deanna gets a blonde wig from her dad Mario and of course Vinny is just like and no I think this is a good idea because she looks different than his wife now <laughs> so it's he's like in, I'm he's cheating on you it. with you yes and exactly she, was, she looks really good in this wig, yes. but the the platinum blonde one later on in mm-hmm. that silver dress, oh yeah. my god. Fantastic, yeah. Really gorgeous. Really uh, so yeah, they try to have sex with, with this different look. She, Like you said, she goes down on him, but he can't quite do it. He feels bad about it, yeah. Just like he's doing a weird Italian accent, which is like, you know, he's calling her Sherry. And it's just like, uh, yeah, very again, a very funny scene, um, as, as well as pretty sad and kind of pathetic. Uh, this is where Joey and the neighborhood guys are pulling together different lists, just people they don't like, <laughs> right? Or they find unsettling. Basically, I love this right. shot of the, the the line cook that they call out, and it, like the yeah. camera pans across, and he's like fucking crazy eyes as he's cooking. It's yeah. great. Woodstock proposes uh, the killer is Reggie Jackson because he's number forty four. I love his conspiracy theory. He's a yes. forty four. Yeah, the forty four. The forty four caliber killer, right? Um, but then they're like. <laughs> But the other guy's like, we're going to need Reggie Jackson if we're going to win the World yeah. Series. Like, he doesn't even care if Reggie Jackson is the murderer. He'd be like, no, 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 at least wait till after the World Series yeah, exactly. to arrest him. I love the footage he cuts in of Reggie Jackson. It's like docu- It's like actual footage of real games, yeah. Um, oh. Is it... Uh, um, not Die Hard, but what's the Leslie Nielsen... Naked Gun. Naked gun. It's Reggie Jackson, right? In the first one, that's gonna murder. I, I th- it looks like him. Yeah, the queen. I believe so. I think it is. Yeah, and he's great in that. It's so. It's so funny. Um, it looks a lot like him. If it, if it's not him, I'd be shocked. Yeah. Uh, Son of Sam was a fantasy of shooting Sam the dog. We learn he doesn't actually do this. This is just in his head. Uh, we have a fantastic montage of Richie putting on Teenage Wasteland. Um, previously he said his favorite band is The Who and his favorite song is Baba O'Reilly. Um, this montage is fucking great. Uh, we see Zen Sam kill again. Uh, we see Ruby is joining Richie's band. Joey and the boys beat up somebody who beats Bobby. And they have, yeah, nobody fucks with Bobby Del Fiore, which is 
right. strangely touching as as well as being pretty fucked up. And just this, again, this they, idea of tribalism, like, okay, we're going to ostracize you for being queer, but we're also going to come to your defense and beat the shit out of people who fuck you up because you're from our neighborhood. And it's Only like, we can beat up yes. the... <laughs> Yeah. And it's like you guys are less, way less self-aware than fucking son of Sam. How what is going on here? Um, we, I think we see Brian too kneeling and praying in front of a statue of Mary, just showing again these these contradictions in these people and these weird lines they draw and how uh, you know like the compartmentalization that goes on uh, right. with their identities. Well, we're all we're all hypocrites. Like we say yeah, yeah, one yeah, yeah. thing, we all do another. Like it's mm-hmm. best. We're just trying to get along and not be like that, but it's almost human yeah. nature to to say, oh, I believe this, and then not totally enact it. Right. Uh, Richie gets thrown out of a diner with Richie because of his punk style. Um, oh, it's, like, insane. Yeah, this like, is Brody's best kind of, moment. Is, yeah. Right, you can really tell, like, he's pushed to the edge and, like, you know, you should just accept me. Like, I'm not the killer. But then as he's getting pushed out, he grabs a beer bottle and just, like, smashes it on his head. Yes. Total punk. And licks the, licks the blood, which is great. Yeah. Um, so later, him and Vinny are down by the docks, and they're just having a discussion about this. You're a dog of society, is what Richie yells at uh, at Vinny. I like the choice of dog in that line, because the dog talking to Sam, or talking yeah. to Ber- well, it- Berkowitz. It, like, spurs from him saying you're wearing a collar. Mm -hmm. And Adrian Brody's like, you're wearing a collar, you just don't know it. It's like, continuously, society is telling you what you should be like with your wife. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what it's getting down to. His speech is great. Yeah. It's like, everyone's got two personalities, Vin. Two personalities. One you're born with, one the fucking world gives you. I got these things I like doing. I like doing them so much, it's like I have to do them. Now, do I really like doing them, or was I pre-programmed at an early age to respond to like them? Uh, and then so he's like, so you're saying when I cheat with my wife, it's not me, it's the world. And he's like, no, that's your fucking dick doing that. That's your dick, buddy. <laughs> you can't blame the world. But of course, that is, I mean, I love movies when they can nice and poetically to sum up exactly the entire thing and what the whole movie is about and you can apply that to sam you can apply that to joey right. t you can apply it to bobby you can apply it to literally every character in this thing you can apply it to ben Gazzara because there are times especially during the blackout where it's like we see that he's not a good dude throughout most of this and he's got so much stuff that's racially motivated that again that tribalism but at the same time he's like but we're gonna throw a party for the neighborhood we're gonna feed everybody during this we're gonna we're gonna give them power we're gonna make sure that you guys are taken care of but only people in the neighborhood don't let anybody else in and we're gonna beat the fuck right. out of anybody who tries to get into the into the we're area. not gonna give him a place to hide like, right exactly like if if he's gonna try to kill someone in our neighborhood we're and all look, gonna be in the same spot and uh, it's it's the the mob too. I mean, it's the whole thing where you had to pay to play, right? But they would take care of people, and they would take care of small business owners if you were in their good graces. But they still did. Right. And it, again, it's that dichotomy of like you're, they're both kind of saviors and oppressors. Like it's everybody has these two sides to them. Even the cop, where it's like, hey, you were one of my guys coming up, and now you're a cop. Societal pressures on both sides. You grew up in one society that led you down a certain path. And now you're in a different society where you're a cop and you're going to be part of that fucking organization, but you're still going to be able to like, you know, speak a little Italian to Ben Gazzara and get favors done. Like, um, 
God, there's, there's so you much can going come on. Come by and get a yeah. piece of veal. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is where the blackout happens, and we have that big speech by Luigi that I mentioned about taking care of people. But of course, they're Fucking like, you know, they they phenomenal. use a lot of words I can't use about rioters. Um, right. Uh, but just just the like flashlight on Ben Gazzara's face. And like it kind of keeps getting like more close up and more close up, mm-hmm. and he's just got he's got such gr- great crazy eyes. Yeah, when he's giving the speech, he, he, yeah, he's so good. Uh, was he? I might think of somebody else, but he's the villain in Roadhouse, right? We just talked about Roadhouse. Yes, yes, he is. Because yeah. when he showed up, I was like, "What?" Yeah, like he's gonna be oh. the, the foil to it. But uh, I, you know, he's so phenomenal. I was going to say, uh, Killing of a Chinese Bookie is... I was really, going to bring it up, too. Yeah. Just so fucking fantastic. If anyone's seen it, I really love the original cut over the director's cut. I think it adds so much more I was just going to say that. I have to watch the original cut, because I watched the director's cut, and it was way too long. I was like, I, I really like this, but it is, like, really drug out. And no, then, remember, because um, it's, it's flipped. The director's cut is shorter. Really? It okay, is, yes, I think yeah, you're right. We talked about this. Yeah, we talked about this. Yeah. He put it out, and then, like, three, two or three years later, he, like, cut it out. And it's more, like, surreal in that aspect, but I think Ben Gazzara gets more to play with in the original cut, and it's just so great. I think even Cassavetes was like, nah, watch the theatrical. Fuck the director's <laughs> cut, yeah. yeah. Um, so this is where we get to my favorite segment of this movie. Uh, Richie and um, Ruby have a have a gig at CBGB's. I love all that. How do you spell that? And it's like CBGB's. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, their song is great. They use lyrics from his uh, "Hello from the Gutters in New York City," which is a very punk thing to do. It's a pretty good song. Yeah, their band is called Late Term Abortion, which is very funny. Uh, it's it's, that's, it's a fun. That's scene. up there with that. that's up there with Camel Lips from Serial yeah. Mom for band names um but a pretty good song i really i really like it ruby's got a great voice um for punk especially uh but yeah so Vinny and donna are invited but they come out outside and again this tribalism kicks in where they're like we don't like this crowd look at those women with their septum piercings like we gotta get the fuck out of here so uh Vinny's like okay we can go wherever you want and so they go to studio 54 I was a little so in earlier in the movie he's driving a charger right I don't know cars that well but I think it's a charger he drives it is it looks, but they, it looks fantastic it's a great looking car and they specifically mentioned that is Mira Savino's car okay so then this one's Vinny's right the the convertible and this no the his is the charger oh, hers okay. is the convertible I see what you're saying all right that was just yes. confused for a second by the choice of car but the cars are beautiful both of them are, yeah, are gorgeous yeah 70s cars great the red yeah. interiors on this one ooh, ooh, baby yeah yeah can't so get they... into 54 <laughs> but someone on the way out sees them and is like hey you're beautiful come they, with me pretty weird they just randomly get selected they go to an orgy um well they're... it's it's not an orgy technically it is a sex club okay. called plato's retreat fair enough um i like it as orgy is like fucking eyes wide shut yeah like this is this is a club the stylization of this one too is really good um and that's a club too the saturn club isn't what they're called i thought it was like like a residence in eyes wide shut it's been forever since i've seen it but i think it's called the saturn club plato saturn hmm maybe we're on to something here i don't know 
so anyway, I love the way this is all shot. It's kind of it's much grainier, um, you know, to kind of reflect like a porno sensibility. Uh, but essentially, Vinny kind of pimps out Diana and gets her to have sex with a woman as well as another guy, as he's fucking other women and watching it and getting really upset. One of the funniest edits I've ever seen in a movie, like the smash cut from this this sex club scene to Vinny's distraught face while Dancing Queen is playing. The look oh, on yeah. his face is so fucking like, just like dead eyed, like fucking that devastated not clarity yes with abba's dancing queen blaring in the background it's turned up way it's turned way up in the sound mix which i fucking love for this whole argument and they you you oh god it, it is so raw the fight they're having and so fucking intense so it's like Wazamo, it's in um, a graveyard as well yes. i i i had a i had a couple problems with this scene just the way that he was shooting it there were some there's some, times there's, I, there's a I couple really weird editing choices, it. yeah. Right. But I there were times where it was like almost um it's like a real close zoomed in shot of like his hand on the seat. Yeah. The passenger seat. It made me feel like the taxi driver um scene where he's on the phone and like we just have to we have to pan across because it's so awkward and like realistic and like we can't we can't even be in the same frame of Travis mm-hmm. Bickle without like just feeling icky. Like that's what it felt like, but then there were other shots that didn't really go with that. Yeah. Like I I like what he was going for. I just don't think he succeeded as much in in that intention. I kind of agree. That yeah, yeah. I, I agree a little bit, but I think that the the fucking acting by Servino and um yes. Leguizamo in the scene yes. I I I look past any sort of like, you know, bump in the directing choices. There. Right. right, they're so good, and apparently Leguizamo improvised a lot of his fucking dialogue, and like Spike loved it, um, which is is so impressive because like he's got such a handle in this character. If that's the case, like he's excellent. But this is where we get into more questionable Spike stuff because apparently Leguizamo, when he spits on her in the scene, that was encouraged by Spike Lee, and Servino had no idea what was going to happen. Um, mm. Maybe not as crazy as Rosie Perez stuff, but still, come on, Spike communicate with your actors to be fair i don't know if he's doing similar stuff with the male actors but still i feel like with something like that i don't know uh not as not as crazy as the breast stuff but still um some amazing lines though a lot of them i can't repeat because of the language but uh, my favorite <laughs> being uh get away from me you you linguini dick motherfucker Again, Great. ABBA is playing in the back, so it's like, you know, just dancing queen, ding that scene, you like Winnie Dick motherfucker. It's so, uh, it's beautiful. Um, immediately we go from that to <laughs> Sam the dog entering <laughs> Dave Berkowitz's apartment, and he's like, I thought I killed you. And he's like, you know, you must kill, I demand it. And it's John Turturro's voice. Oh, okay. The that's Jesus. Great. Yes. You didn't know Staturo? I did not know. That's oh, fun though. It's and it's amazing. CGI is employed to make the dog talk. It's it's uh, hilarious I, and funny and disturbing. I think it's right uh before this too. Is we've seen yeah, all the, the blocks things that you mentioned that I don't get, but it is literally him spelling out murder. Yes. With he, the blocks. I mean, and it I'm happens like, twice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so great dogs. The dog scene is fucking amazing. And when I first watched this, which was a couple years ago, I watched it as like a, as a birthday movie for myself during quarantine, where I was like, hey, I'm going to treat myself and watch this movie I've been wanting to see for a long time. And it really bumped me, the tone of this thing. Um, especially that dog scene. I thought it was way too comedic. But now, I don't mind making the Sam stuff a little ridiculous, because it's not really about Sam, and it, the movie is portraying Berkowitz as a fucking lunatic, which, as they should. Um, what, again, some of the best hey, editing in this movie Hey, he was a fucking pussy, alright? He, like... Yeah, he was, yeah. Was just, like, randomly shooting people, walking up, like, he... You know. Fucking be a man, Berkowitz. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, uh, seriously. Um, some of the best editing in this movie, again, is during this next scene where he does follow the commands of, of Sam and goes out to kill again. We have all of this being intercut with Reggie Jackson playing baseball. And he, he strikes out when Berkowitz goes to shoot a woman, but she runs away. Right. And just as it's like, oh, you know, a miss for Jackson, but he's going to get, you know, he's going to get try to get set up again. Wonderful there. And then when he actually does pull it off and as I think it's where he shoots somebody through a book or maybe he shoots another couple in a car. I don't remember which. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, brutal, both of them. But as he pulls the trigger and fires on them, home run for Jackson. Like, just I love that editing and this idea of like, again, Spike presenting this point in time. Yes, you have Berkowitz going on shooting people, but let's not forget Reggie Jackson was fucking tearing it up on a diamond, you know, like <laughs> they're, they, they are parallel. Like it's it's really fucking interesting because that was the killing. That was the killing in the black neighborhood, which is why we then cut to um, Spike interviewing the black community there. The guy has the great line, bad for Brooklyn, bad for New York, bad for America, bad for the world. Uh, I really yeah. love that. And then the we woman, have a woman saying, like, if if it was a black guy killing white people, there would be the biggest race riot you yes. would have ever seen. Thank God it is a white man that kills all those white people. Uh, she's fantastic. Uh, yeah, she's got, like, she, a Jamaican accent or something she, like that. She, yeah, she really, really makes a meal out of those lines. Um, yeah. So, yes, this is where Bobby is telling the neighborhood guys that he saw Richie at the club with Midnight uh, because, of course, Midnight and Bobby are friends. And when Richie sees him, of course, Bobby's excited and is like, oh, look at you, Mr. Macho, and then gets attacked by Richie, who says, don't tell anybody about this. Bobby freaks out and goes to the guys, tells him Richie attacked me. Um, He's got a blonde mohawk now, and everybody hates it, even even though he looks way better with the mohawk. Uh, maybe it's it's, it's, it's weird, way better. It's, be- it's way better him. than a spikes, though. It's way. Better I, I than agree. Spikes. I agree. Yeah. So the the Jackie April is like looking for them in CBG CBGB, which is great. That's a great scene. But then the it's guy's, like it's covering their ears, walking through the club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's Johnny Legs and uh, Adrian Brody having the conversation, basically saying like, you know. One, they think your son is Sam, and he's kind of like laughing it off. Yeah, like, are you in a oh, cult? Come on, yeah. what? And then he mentions that, like, oh, are you gay? And he gets offended. That's he's he gets more way offended more offended by that. Yeah, about being accused of being gay than he is a fucking homicide. We, we've seen him pulling more tricks during this time too. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So uh, yes, they punch the great, guy outside the dude, club. This is the that's the funniest fucking thing. I mean, it's funny, but it's also really upsetting. And just like they come it out, goes they to bump, the tribalism. Yeah, they bump like, into oh, a guy. Yes. Yeah, like who's your who's your favorite baseball team? And he says, who's, Boston Red Sox." He uses he use, he says Guido, which offends them at first. But then like, I'm gonna give you one more chance. Who's your favorite baseball team? Yeah. Boston Red Sox. That's fucking it. And they beat the shit out of him. I mean, I'd beat the shit out of him for being a Red Sox fan, <laughs> but that's just me. Oh my god. Um, so, this is for we amazing scene where Vinny comes in the work super fucked up, and Gloria's like, hey, yeah. you can't be here. Or, no, let's go into the back and, and get yourself grounded. Then you yeah. come out and work, and he's like, no, 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 I'm fine, let's just do it. Another improvised moment where he dumped coffee on Gloria, that was a Leguizamo mm. thing that he just pulled out of nowhere. We didn't um, even say starring Bebe Newworth. I can't remember yes, how you say her yeah. name. Yeah. Oh, she's from good the too. faculty. Right. Yeah. That's right. Oh yeah. Good catch. I didn't think of the faculty connection there. Yeah. Uh, but I love that he leaves and then realizes he left his glasses and keys, so he comes back yes. and then leaves again. He didn't even lock the uh, door, you stupid bitch. Which is a really harsh <laughs> line that makes me laugh. Uh, yeah. Miro Savino is leaving him. Oh and that's my just god! Such a good scene for her. She finally yeah. has some respect for herself and is like, even as well, much as he's begging, I'll go to a psychiatrist, I'll see a priest. And right. she's still like, I'm sorry, it, this is done. He's just like, hey, look, I brought you flowers. This will smooth everything over, right? Like, uh, But yeah. she's got the great line of like, um, I knew it, it was going on, and I actually thought something was wrong with me, which is... Right. I think so real in the psychology of just like any relationships where there's like you do love the person, but there's problems that are major and you start to think I can like, smell my well, cousin's I'm pussy on issue. your face. My pussy juice. That's the, pussy yeah, that's ju- the, okay. right. Excuse Ooh. me. You, you gotta uh, get a there's also a Rocky. Yeah. There's also a Rocky poster, the Rocky poster the which I liked. Yeah. And then they're like, one of the friends is wearing a Stallone shirt yes. like a couple times in the movie. Oh, all the shirts in this are fantastic, by the way. Yeah. Um, I, I think when we first meet Brian in the very first neighborhood scene, he's wearing a shirt with I am stupid on it, which is <laughs> such a telling shirt to wear. Um, and then, like, I think most of the scenes where they're beating the shit out of somebody, one of them has an American flag shirt on, which is just like a minor, that little detail. Or uh, the it, Union Jack shirt. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this is where uh, Berkowitz is arrested. But Julie and the boys are already in the process of getting Vinny to go get Richie. Yeah, um, they want to use Vinny as bait. Yes, and yeah, he's like he's, they lying about been popping being balloons. There. Yeah, right. Doing a bunch of coke. Uh, that's great. Like he's doing coke, and then they like beat on the mm-hmm. door. So he's already fucked up. All right, I've talked about a lot of the music, but this is the best. Aside from Dancing Queen, this is the second best use of music. Playing Baba O'Reilly, um, his favorite song. His favorite song, as Berkowitz is being brought into the courthouse, to the police station. We got the media frenzy going on. We got Spike out there being like, we don't know which car he's in, but here he comes. The son of Sam, the son of Sam. We talked so much last week with the celebrity status of serial killers. And Berkowitz is one of, is, is like the tipping point for all this stuff. Because it's like, you know, obviously you got the infamy of Bundy. You got the infamy of, of um like Night, Night Stalker and all them. But... I think that Berkowitz is the one treated most like a celebrity, right? We have the nickname. He's we a bit earlier. The frenzy. Than most of them. He's earlier, but I think he's like the catalyst for this stuff. 
He's one of them. Zodiac is popular. Probably but Zodiac. Know, but because we don't know who Zodiac is, it's a little different, right? right? And as right. the movie shows, that kind of fades away. Whereas Berkowitz is still giving interviews today. Like, I was right. going on YouTube trying to find interviews about the movie. All I was finding was, you know, Berkowitz Speaks 1997. Berkowitz Speaks 2015. Berkowitz Speaks 2018. It's like, don't talk to him anymore. <laughs> Fuck this guy. It it got to the point where they, they made Son of Sam laws so that mm-hmm. people who Multiple commit states. crimes cannot yeah. actually profit off right. of those crimes. Uh, when you look at the uh, mugshots for Sam for Berkowitz too, he's so smug. Like, yeah, yeah. Is that why the uh, uh, blah, 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 O.J. Simpson book? If God, I did it, I can't remember if that's exactly why. But like, he wrote the "If I Did It," and then it got <laughs> taken. The rights of it got taken away and actually given to the Nicole Simpson family. That was because that was because he lost the civil trial. I think right. Okay. I think that's the reason. It's something along that. But, like, they yeah. literally printed, if I did it, and then in, like, little print, I did it, kind of thing. It's it's like they, the if I is really tiny, and then it's just, oh, that's I did what it, it O.J. Simpson. It yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is so fucking funny. Um, so they beat the shit out of Richie. Yeah. Which it's really in upsetting. My, in my mind, I remember them killing him. Right, but, but he doesn't it was die. Just like, it's just like um, he's got the most bloody mouth. I find it very touching that Eddie comes out to save him and just Eddie's reaction to the whole thing. Like he's his stepfather. I said step stepfather did. Um, <laughs> uh, he's been kind of treating Richie he's been hard on him. He's been hard on him. It's been tough. I mean, the parents are pretty tough on it, but also Richie's well, like an annoying shit bag. So like, you know, he's hard on him because he literally walked in while they were about to fuck and now yeah. he has blue balls and he's just like hey you know, your mother and i need a privacy we're gonna be fucking over the house like, he doesn't say that but it's like basically we're what still saying. in a honeymoon phase yeah we're newlyweds yeah he's really good <laughs> so he comes out the luger and and uh stops the guys which is like they just caught him on the news like you know so uh yeah they they put a blanket under his head he's bleeding from the fucking mouth and Adrian Brody actually He's mad broke at his Vinny. nose. Mad at Vinny. Yeah, I do. Vinny's, it's, it is heartbreaking when Vinny has him outside and he's like, run, like, get out of here. Yeah. You know, like, I, you I never listened like, to me. I know. He's still, he's still mad at Richie for not yeah. running. But he's trying to like, save him. You fucked and it's up like, by bringing them there. It is touching with all the, all the nonsense going on about the tribalism, the, the, you know, the, um, suspicions that he's gay the, uh, the suspicions that he might be son of sam because you have the very funny moment where they have the the sketch in the paper and of course big is always oh, like hey drawing... who does this look like yeah yeah but then they, they draw the spikes on his head it looks nothing like adrian brody but Vinny is like <laughs> yeah. holy shit like Vinny's like convinced too <laughs> like uh but it is heartbreaking even after all that he still tries to save richie at yeah. the end like um then we end it and it's just kind of like ambiguous place with that you know right well we get the uh breslin guy was that his yeah. name the, mm-hmm. rep- the porter we get that again we we figure out that it was actually a parking ticket is that's the reason why he was arrested oh yeah uh i love i love that he calls him a sick fuck i, sick I just think fuck. that's such a yeah a nice little touch about it mm-hmm. they also mentioned that uh the yankees beat the dodgers in the world series that year so yes, they did. Fuck yes, you. They did. Uh, um, and then the closing <laughs> credits are phenomenal of like yeah. it's newspaper 
mm-hmm. I guess I don't like front pages it's, with all it's, the it's, actors and yeah. then their names, but all the headlines. The real still are like forty-four yeah. caliber killer, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't even really mention that. Like that's what they—that's what he was originally known as, right? Forty-four caliber killer until he starts sending in the letters. Yes. God, that was one of the things I was going to mention. Ending. Uh... What, do, what did you mention right before the credits? The Breslin stuff, right? Uh, the Yankees-Dodgers? Yes, that's it. Yes. So the parking ticket. Um, during that scene where he goes out and he has the failed attempt to kill that woman, when he goes back to his car, you see him rip the parking ticket off his windshield. And at that point, in the Reggie Jackson coverage, is when he strikes out. And ah. so it's like the moment where you see what, what is his downfall Jackson is also striking out on the on the mound, which or at, at the at the plate, which is fantastic. Anyway, I the editing in this is so fucking good. I think Spike always has good editing in his movies, but like this one in particular, like it, it's really fucking something. Um, to make a movie this long, I'm getting into final thoughts. I'm starting. Uh, we're rating this out of uh, there's calibers, mohawks, ludes. Should we do ludes? I did think ludes. That's pretty good. Ha. Huh. Vinguini dicks? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, uh, Dog collars? Blonde wigs? Blonde wigs is good. Hmm. Hmm. Out of Ben Gazaras? Oh, Gazaras. Out of Gazaras. Yeah. <laughs> Out of Gazaras. Okay. Eh. Um, I, I love this movie. I think that just like when I first watched it, the tone of it really bumped me. And, um,. I didn't know it was going to be this style and that it's really not going to focus on Son of Sam himself. And Spike's words from his Charlie Rose interview, which, by the way, Charlie Rose sucks. Um, and oh, it's yeah. easy to, it's easy to say that post-cancellation. But watching his interview, I was just like, you are a fucking... You're so bad at this. Because there's literally a scene where, like... Or a scene, a moment where um, Spike is talking about, like... You know, he's like, I get all these questions about, like oh, what's it like working with white actors for the first time? And he's just like, have you not seen my movies? Like, Danny Aiello is a lead. You know, so-and-so is a lead in these movies. And he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm so sick of these questions of like, oh, how do you approach working with white actors? And he's like, well, the same way I work with with uh, black actors. It's just, I don't do anything different. I, I approach all my movies with the same process. And then Charlie goes, oh, well, here's one more. What's it like working with a mostly white cat? And he's like, are you fucking serious, Charlie? Were you not listening to a single word he just said? And Spike just, no, just like... No, he was thinking about touching women inappropriately. Exactly, yes. Spike just like kind of was like, I do it the same. I just said this. Like, <laughs> you fucking idiot. Anyway, in his own words, it's it's really just that the Son of Sam is a dark cloud influencing all of New York at this time. It's another, it's another force, just like the heat wave, just like the baseball season is. It is something that is just inspiring these these actions for these New Yorkers and enforcing the tribalism already deeply embedded within the city and within the country at large and within the world at large. Like we just have these external factors like we talked about are going to like enforce different societal pressures. Right. And affect these two or multiple personalities, but we all have, we all have multiple things. I, I am, I am a native American guy. I'm also an atheist. I'm also a podcaster. I'm also in post-production and a cinephile. All of these things are like a mixture of just personal things and societal things that form who I am. You know what I mean? It's the same in this movie. They're New Yorkers. They're racists. They are also neighborhood boys. They're also punks. They're also, 
uh, you know, adulterers. Like, there's so many things that they are all are. And this is an interesting examination of how this maniac brought everything to, like, a frenzy in this time. Um, so I, I, it's a really interesting study of people, of particular people that can be extrapolated to a much larger sense. And I think that in terms of being a true crime movie, it is a really cool way to go about it. Um, like I talked about, you don't have to worry about respect for the families or any of that nonsense because we're not really discussing it. Um, and I don't think Spike had an obligation to. And I think it's a wonderful way of making something about Son of Sam or vaguely about Son of Sam without glorifying him. We don't have any empathy for Son of Sam. We don't have any moment where we're meant to relate to him or anything like that. At the same time, we can still recognize in him that fractured sort of personality that we all have to a degree. So, uh, yeah, big kudos to Spike for this. I think there are some editorial and directorial choices occasionally that are great. And the length, while it's tough for me to say what I would cut, it is still a pretty long experience that is pretty draining. Um, and, you know, I, I think that when you compare it to something like Zodiac, which maybe isn't totally fair because they're going for totally different things, like Zodiac's a five star. And if I really think about it, like, is this on the same level as Zodiac? It's not quite there, but it's really up there. I'm going to say like 4.6, um, 4.666 for that satanic influence, uh, you know. 4.666 what? Ben Gazzaras, hey. Ben Gazzaras, all right. Wonderful. Oh, how can I forget? Yes. I'm I'm pretty much right there with you. I, I love that this is about the maniacs that society creates. Not just Berkowitz, but the idea of that it's... All of these people at times are acting like a maniac and doing the idea of, like, what do I want? What do I want... What is society making me want? Like, is it internally or is it something that's been put in me? Who's actually wearing the collar? Who has the leash is a very mm. interesting like thing ooh, we should ooh, think ooh. about. Of like, yeah. what is pulling us along these ways? Um, it's all about change and the fear of the unknown. Especially identities. Not necessarily just the killer of, of David Berkowitz... But Richie, and that he is changing, his identity is now unknown to these people who once knew him, who was once his best friend. And it, it's this fracturing of uh, relationships, identities, societies, communities, and like trying to deal with that when you might not necessarily be able to trust the person next to you. Uh, it's, it is one of the most fascinating look at a serial killer and that it's not necessarily just the killer, but again, the effects that this killer had on a particular time and place. I do agree with you. I think Zodiac is a masterpiece, a five out of five star. A lot of that one is the same idea of like the effects of a serial killer, but it's also about the investigation and just the, in the insanity of obsession is really what that movie is covering in uh grace smith's like just the unraveling of his psyche of his family of his his just like identity like that's what he wraps himself in of like he's no longer a cartoonist he is a published author about a book about zodiac yeah and it's like that that wouldn't he would have been 
stuck in a rut, most likely, if it had not been for this psychopath killer, like, killing people. Yeah. Uh, if it wasn't for the random chance that he was in the room when the letter was read. He wasn't even right. meant to be there, right? He shouldn't have been there when it was read. But the fact that he was so close to it at its, at its inception really, uh, like, breaks something it in It captured yeah. something in his imagination, in his mind, that, like, it's 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 like a splinter stuck in there, and you can't pull yeah. it out. You just have to, like try to deal with it and like uh relieve yourself from that pressure and pain uh i i'm just a little bit below you i'm gonna go 4.4 because i was hoping we would do it out of calibers and then i would be (laughs) with the same but 4.4 gazaras uh i i would recommend this wholeheartedly like i think it's such an interesting choice yeah like you said a couple directorial flourishes that like i'm i you know probably could be done better spike is a master though because there are so many of those moments where i'm like yes you are doing this perfectly you're showing me and not telling me yeah um yeah i i thought it was fantastic great and and truly unique in his filmography too like i mean like i said you know the the press really like globbed on to the hey mostly white cast angle um which i I suppose is different for spike but it also it's like who cares there's a spike movie and it's about new york like it's in his wheelhouse uh and his main actor is fucking latino yeah yeah come on here come on come on and it's not like and he's so right like danny aiello was a lead and do the right thing and he's fucking amazing in that like um you know look at uh adam driver and black klansman it's not like he doesn't work with white actors all the time you know Um, right yeah so great movie and uh yeah definitely check it out if you haven't like there's so much shit we didn't even get to in our discussion uh you know there's a million more lines that i love uh i can't express enough how great my comperioli is and his like three minutes of screen time it's like he disappears into yeah. this character it's, oh i guess amazing. uh some little pieces of trivia i'll, I'll throw out. like originally imperioli like i said was going to direct but he was also going to play richie and richie was the main character and i think maybe it was either in editing or in production they sort of decided to give more to Vinny instead because like i think lee kind of you know got more attached to that character and found him a little more like interesting um, but I think it's actually pretty evenly split between them in the movie. Like, you get more Vinny, but there's there's a lot of Richie, too. Um, DiCaprio and De- and Benicio Del Toro were originally considered for the lead roles. I imagine Del Toro would have been Vinny and DiCaprio would have been Richie, which would have been fascinating. Um, and then uh, during the shooting of the film, unhappy community members left racist and anti-Spike Lee messages near or around production equipment. So, you know... Ooh. And then we're gonna, and then we're gonna attack Spike Lee for being anti-Italian when it comes out. <laughs> Goddamn. Well, uh, we're not quite finished. Or was there one more thing you were gonna say? I was just gonna say, set you up because we have a lot of uh, fun coming next week. I want you to tell us about it. We're not quite done with uh, Maniac March as we do have five Thursdays this month. So we're gonna go back to a classic. And it's remake. That's right. We're talking about Maniac starring Joe Spinell, but also Maniac starring Elijah Wood. So yes. we're covering both Maniacs next week. Join us, please. It's uh, it's going to be a fun time. 
Please always remember to rate, review, subscribe anywhere you get this podcast. We have email weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com, both Twitter and Instagram at weeklymassacre. So hit us up. Let us know if uh, a dog is telling you to kill. (laughs) If you ever had like a British accent phase that really annoyed your friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, write in mm. if you can hey. give me the address to Plato's Retreat. Email I'd just be came in from really Madonna. Really appreciate it. What? An email just came in from Madonna <laughs> about the British <laughs> accent thing. I, I didn't know she was listening live, but hey, okay. Uh, and as always, you look like a piece of mozzarella. Uh, real quick, just want to plug. Um, I, I don't. I think I should be doing this every week, but you can follow me on Letterboxd gj anderson 19 i i review everything in depth uh you have a great letterbox too murph and turf right yes um, i am mainly jokey in my reviews but uh yeah, but if you're good if jokes though, they're good if it's a serious movie i will actually like try to yeah be a little heady about it but yeah i but follow some thank those, you I, then, I think i am very funny uh <laughs> hey i'd agree um, but also, I, I recorded a podcast the other day, Five Day Rentals yet again, and I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, I actually do a little bit of improv work on it, which I've never really done before, but I had a lot of fun doing it. So, um, yeah, check that out. Great podcast. They're talking about the uh, classic Hulk Hogan television series, Thunder in Paradise. Oh, no, okay. no, no. The TV series he did where he is an ex-Navy SEAL that builds a super boat. And uh, sails around the world fighting different crime organizations while raising a daughter uh, as a single dad. Wow. Great stuff. The 90s, man. Yes. Anyway, um, just signing off. You linguine dick motherfucker. Uh, there's so many things I could say. You know. Bye. That's because you brought me chicken. That's how Midnight is introduced. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here with your dead broke lobsters. Anyway. Bye, everybody. Like, I don't have the mouth feel, having said African-Americans, you know what I'm talking about?